The Midwife Crisis Podcast will touch on sensitive topics regarding the human body, sexuality, pregnancy, and all aspects of women's health care. And it may not be suitable for all listeners. Hi, I'm Kate. I'm PR, and this is season two of The Midwife Crisis, because it's not just you. I almost wanted to say it with you. I wish I had. Yeah, because we it's should not have... just you. We sh- that is not a song. <laughs> but we could have done it in stereo. Um, We're going to work on it. She turns everything into a song. <laughs> everything. All right. Today, we wanted to talk about a topic that is a real pain in the butt. And that's not just sciatica, but all common pregnancy discomforts. Uh, not necessarily normal, but can be really common. Um, As with everything we review, this is going to be our take, an overview. And although many of these things, like you said, can be normal, please check with your healthcare provider if you're having any discomforts or really any concerns. If at any point in your pregnancy, you've referred to um, the baby as a parasite or as a (laughs) demon or just as an alien, this this episode is for you because these are probably the re- some of the reasons why. If, you, if you've ever looked at your partner and said, you did this to me, <laughs> this episode's for you too. I suppose. I I always thought I did it to myself. I, I like to take full credit as well. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first and foremost, I think the first thing a lot of us think of when we think of pregnancy discomforts is, of course, nausea and vomiting of pregnancy or morning sickness. Well, do you remember the Truman Show where he would say, good morning and good afternoon and good evening in case I don't see you? Mm-hmm. And that's how morning sickness is. Oh, yeah. Mine was almost never. I mean, I felt crappy in the morning, but I found that I vomited just just all day, just whenever, whenever, whenever it fancied. I can't lie. I've never had morning sickness um, in my life because if I had, maybe I'd only have one child. <laughs> uh, often one of the first signs of pregnancy and one of the most common complaints is this nausea, vomiting of pregnancy. It's typically the worst in the first trimester. So that's any time after your positive test, which is usually around four weeks until um, about 14 weeks. But of course, it can persist. It can be the entire pregnancy. And that's sometimes more common in um, multiple pregnancies. So when people have more than one uh, baby. Um, and yeah, it's it's a real bummer. We don't really know what causes it. It can be maybe the increase in hormones, the um, progesterone and the estrogen. Um, there is one theory that it's worse in the first trimester because your placenta hasn't taken over the production of, of progesterone yet. So you have more circulating progesterone in your blood. Um, there's a thought that it's an evolutionary strategy. They're like, we don't want um, a pregnant person to go ahead and eat this poisonous mushroom. So we're just going to make them feel real sick so they don't eat anything at all. Um, and maybe it's, maybe it's that smell. Ooh, super nose. While I did not have nausea, I did have a super nose and I could have been used to like find dead bodies or (laughs) or anything because every little smell bothered me. You could have worked on the border with Mexico smelling out drugs. (laughs) People said to me, I I said, why does it smell like fish in here? And they would say, we had fish like five days ago. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, man. Um, Easy ways to combat this. Crackers by the bedside. I had a full box of saltines just literally right next to my bed. My eyes would crust open in the morning, Mm. and I would just force myself to dry eat a saltine. God bless you. Um, Small, frequent meals. So you can't sit down and just have these big, old meals like you did before. You're not going to go to Texas Roadhouse and go like balls to the wall. You're going to be having little snacks. We're talking blander foods. Everyone loves that brat diet, bananas, uh, rice, applesauce, toast. Um, Increase your hydration. This is a huge one because you really have a lot more um, blood volume in pregnancy and you need to make sure you're replenishing it with hydration. Uh, Motion sickness bands or C-bands, those can be really helpful. They're Mm -hmm. little um, pressure point sort of bracelets that you wear. Unfortunately, they are a pregnancy tell. So if you're not out with your pregnancy and you're rocking those and you're not on a cruise ship, you're sending out some signals. For sure. Yep. Um, I have a theory that I was sharing with uh, PR yesterday. I feel like some people are more of the spicy sort of uh, solving of their nausea, meaning they like peppermint and ginger and things like that, and that helps with their nausea. Mm -hmm. Or some people are sort of the cool, the citrus, the sour. Um, That was me. I was all about lemon, everything, sour candy, uh, just anything that was really sour seemed to help. Uh, Also, vitamin B6, which is an over-the-counter vitamin that you can take, um, is safe during pregnancy and has been shown to cause um, or help with nausea and vomiting. Um, By prescription, you can talk to your provider because some people need a little bit more. There's an awesome prescription called Diclegis, which is pregnancy category A, which they don't really do pregnancy categories anymore. Um, They used to do A through, I think like it was X. X. (laughs) Yeah. And A was like, this is safe and tested in pregnancy. And X was you never, ever want to give it. It's going to be like teratogenic. Mm -hmm. Um, Now they just kind of say it's like a low risk. So that would be like a category A or, you know, we used to use something called Zofran, which is a higher risk. You can't eliminate the risk. With that being said, I always tell patients, you know, when I'm speaking with them as a provider, if you can't tolerate any food or fluid, you're going to die. So taking a risk of taking yes. a medication like is is maybe going to benefit you. You don't have to do it all the time. A little tiny bit might help. And, you know, your baby needs to eat too. Other over-the-counter medications that uh, used to be um, used a lot. And now they still are because they're pretty harmless. Mm-hmm. Our Dramamine, Unisom, Benadryl, that kind of thing. Yeah. A lot of those will make you sleepy. And we're going to talk about it, but you're probably already going to be sleepy. So, right. um, so you know, again, risk benefit kind of stuff. Rarely the nausea vomiting of pregnancy can be more serious. There is a disorder called hyperemesis gravidarum, which is basically when you just cannot keep absolutely anything down in pregnancy. Um, and this sometimes requires IV hydration, um, antiemetics, which are anti nausea medications, home IV, or sometimes um, lines, central lines or ports so that people can give themselves Mm -hmm. fluids. Um, Very, very rarely um, supplemental nutrition, um, which can be like nutrition that you're not intaking that's going through a line. Um, So it's very important to let your provider know if you're having severe symptoms, if it seems like it's, it's more than just, you know, getting sick sometimes. And again, I think this is for me, this is my first lesson in parenting. You always need a vomit bag with you because <laughs> Let me tell you, in your car, when your kid says they're going to vomit, you have about half a second to get that bag under their mouth or you're going to be taking apart your car seat. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, when you were talking about IVs, I, I think you were ta- speaking on peripheral lines. You said central line. Oh, and sorry. I, I did wanted, not mean central line. <laughs> I, I just wanted to throw that out there for people who are Thank listening you. and saying, central line at her house? Nope, nope, nope. Um, so... <laughs> 
So yeah, anyways, it's it's that all of that sounds challenging and I know I have patients who've gone through it and they were challenged and um it's My- not it's not an easy thing. Part of it, you know, I have a theory about about being sick and pregnancy and part of it is hormonal and physiologic and there's nothing that you can do about it except try to comfort yourself, use mm-hmm. palliative measures. And the another part of it is psychological. Mm-hmm. Some people expect to be sick because they're pregnant and they say, you know, that's that's a sign and this mm-hmm. is good or whatever. And so um, fortunately for me, I don't know what ha- I remember at one point thinking the pregnancy wasn't even going to stick because I wasn't sick mm-hmm. and I didn't get the hormones. And then psychologically, I just can't I can't I can't th- when I throw up as, as close to death, I feel like as I'm going to get. And so I just can't I'm like, I'm not buying that. I've even in my college drinking days, mm-hmm. there was no throwing up going on because I just didn't want any parts of it. Well, quick side note about the nausea, too. Again, people are often really worried about nutrition in these cases. And I have to tell you, it's very rare to have a real issue with nutrition. So like if you are worried about some weight loss, unless you were starting out really underweight, underweight. you're probably going to be just fine. This is why people have hips and thighs and breasts and chests to support a pregnancy. It's Mm -hmm. why we have extra fat. And that's why we've survived famines and wars and everything else as a people. And additionally, if the only thing you can tolerate is little Debbie Christmas tree cakes, I don't know anyone who had that, (laughs) aka me, that was all I ate for weeks. Guess what? It's going to be fine because eventually you will feel better. And on those days you feel better, you work on your nutrition. Sure. And those with hyperemesis, um, sometimes will require, like she said, the nutritional supplementation, and they may experience some some good weight loss, mm-hmm. and not in a good way, like significant weight loss. Right. And th- that's one of the signs that we really need to bring you in and try and help you through that. Yep. Um, yeah, that whole nausea things, even when patients are throwing up in front of me, mm. I sometimes have to excuse myself because <laughs> I feel like I'm going to just throw up right in front of you too. And then we'll get down to business. But another something I did experience was um, breast tenderness. So breast or chest tenderness. Um, even early on, your your the your milk factories are getting ready to nourish you know the baby. And many many people will have colostrum by even sixteen weeks. They may start to you know if they have high prolactin levels, they they may start to uh, leak. You know, early or before they're even showing Mm -hmm. they're starting to leak and what's going on here and of course all of that filling and stretching is uncomfortable hormones cause them to be your breast your chest to be sore and tender some people that is how they that's their sign of pregnancy Mm -hmm. they're not nauseous it's what's going on with my with these boobs Mm. or this chest and uh, it can grow very large in size and weight, which people who want them, that works for them. And people who already have ample too much is sort of like, why? I don't (laughs) want more. I don't want to wear an H cup. That being said, if they don't grow, that doesn't necessarily mean you won't make milk. So don't worry about that. No. And I have friends who have very, very small, very small um, breasts and just sort of produce milk like, um, like, I don't know. I like can't they, believe you're talking about me like, like that on our multi- podcast. <laughs> like they had multiple udders. That's me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, you identified yourself. I wasn't trying to identify you. 
Um, you can heat will help, or sometimes ice will help. Get a really good supportive bra and and get fit for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and have one if you're going to exercise. Have one for that, and have one for sleep, and just have and spoiler it. alert: the good comfy bra is probably not going to be hot. So no. get over it. No, it's, <laughs> it's going to be like your granny's bra. Yeah. And and not only that, uh, yeah, it won't be hot. That's that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's enough about that bra. It's not going to turn anybody on, <laughs> including yourself. Um, uh, one time, I'm going to tell you something funny. One time, uh, I, I don't put my bras in the... In the uh, in the dryer Mm -hmm. and uh one time my sister came over and i had the bras drying on the back of the bathroom door and she went to the bathroom and she came out and she said that are those bras or hats (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, my goodness that's adorable i was like ha 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 meanwhile when i'm washing my little bras people will be like oh i didn't know you had a daughter and i'm like i don't (laughs) These are my tiny, teeny tiny right. booby bras. Those are little. Those were my. Those are my helmets. Stay away from them. Um, you're gonna need to change sizes as as you know your chest changes, and basically just leave them alone. Give them good support. Be kind to them, mm-hmm. and but don't squeeze them and fuss with them. And you know these little Montgomery tubercles that come out. Oh, don't yeah. start squeezing nope. those because you see something white in it or whatever. Let it alone. Yep. Leave it alone. And as I said, the upside, if they were small and you wanted them to grow, be careful what you wish for because now they're grown. <laughs> and if they're bigger, then, yeah, that's they're not going to shrink. I'll tell you that right now. Moving on. Oh, this one, like, gets me because I feel like I'm still suffering from it. But this is fatigue. Mm. So, again, this F is word. something that people will be so shocked that as early as in the first trimester, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I didn't think this would happen this early. Is this normal? And yeah, it is because guess what? You are growing a baby mentally, emotionally, physically, super demanding on your body. Um, Initially, you can have a lot of sleep disruptions and then you can have them again in the third trimester. And that makes it difficult to get a restful night's sleep. You can feel really nauseous. You may be getting up a lot because you need to urinate, which we're going to talk about a little bit further down the line. Um, You can have GERD or gastrointestinal reflux. Um, You can have restless leg, which where your legs kind of twitching and all of that can make it really Mm -hmm. difficult to sleep. Um, Some things that you can do to help are, you know, we're going to say this for almost everything, unfortunately, because this is what healthcare providers say, but (laughs) like eat well and exercise. It starts with the base. Um, Good sleep hygiene. This is something that I think as a people, we are terrible with. Terrible. So, you know, before you go to sleep, you cut off your screens. You make your room dark. You keep it cool. Using a heavy blanket or a weighted blanket can be helpful. Doing meditations. You got a little lavender. Whatever makes you feel relaxed, a little, you know, warm something to drink. Um, Ask your provider, but generally over-the-counter Benadryl and Unisom can be safe in pregnancy and those can help with sleep. I tell people try not to use them every night. Right. Um, You know, you want to pay attention to that. Um, You may even start to snore Mm. once you do get some sleep and Mm -hmm. your partner may poke you and say, hey, 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 hey. They like thought it was like a dog or or animal outside and it was you snoring. 
Yep. Uh, magnesium may be helpful as well, but again, something you need to check with your provider. Um, but also you can get magnesium in just doing an Epsom salt bath. You can have a little lavender I in there. I love Epsom salt and lavender baths. Yep. And that can help totally relax. Uh, no melatonin. No THC, no CBD. So these are things that I think a lot of people feel are more natural, which in some ways, yeah, maybe they are. But there are some studies that it can be unhelpful and not even good for you or baby in pregnancy. So no melatonin, no THC, no CBD. And your provider sometimes will even talk to you about those Yeah, those self medicating measures. Yeah. And we're not saying those things are bad because we know that they have uses in other places in your life. But in the pregnancy, you know, we'll, we'll try to forego them. Yeah. You need to check. Also check first. Um, this fatigue is, I, I just want to say it's overwhelming. It's like I would lie down on a dirty floor overwhelming. <laughs> um, and with each pregnancy, it comes on earlier and it's worse. Mm -hmm. You're sitting and you're talking to, and you're thinking in your mind, I just wish you would shut <laughs> up. Not the patient, but just Kate. I just wish Kate would shut up because <laughs> I'm tired and I want to just lie down on this table and go to sleep. Um, it's really, it's an F word, fatigue. It starts uh, in the pregnancy and it lasts forever. Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> It ain't going away. <laughs> That's the harsh truth. Um, something that will go away, though, are headaches. Ho hopefully they will go away. Um, stress, poor sleep, dehydration, diet changes, hormone changes, caffeine withdrawal, all of those issues on top of pregnancy can cause um, headaches. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important that you stay super hydrated because dehydration can cause headaches. As I just said, mm -hmm. um, you take your vitamins if they're not making you sick mm -hmm. and um, you can drink, have electrolytes if you're not eating well, just like Gatorade or something to make sure you're, you're balancing what your, your intake is. I love coconut water for some electrolytes. Yeah. And I'm having some right now. Um, no NSAIDs, so no um, Motrin, ibuprofen, naprosin, that Aspir kind of thing. Aleve, yep. aspirin. Um, that's not what you want to use for your headaches. Um, migraine medications, you need to check. If you're a person with a history of migraines, you need to check with your provider about mm -hmm. which migraine medications are going to be safe because having pre being pregnant does not exempt you from your migraines, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Tylenol is typically safe, but you just want to let, I think it's good to let folks know what you're suffering from mm -hmm. so that, you know, there's some documentation of that. Some, a little, a small amount of coffee, less than 250 milligrams a day in the first trimester, that, or caffeine altogether, because other things have caffeine, tea, chocolate, has caffeine, chocolate has caffeine, there are lots <laughs> of caffeine containing substances, so try to be mindful of your caffeine intake, but a small amount of Caffeine might help with that headache. Progesterone makes everything swollen and beefy. And so having a humidifier, that's I'm talking about your mucous membranes, mm -hmm. can help with congestion-related um, headache. And sometimes you get bloody noses in pregnancy, so mm -hmm. it can help with that. But you may get more migraines than you were getting before and more sinus headaches because of all the hormonal changes. Um, and my first baby, I have to say, I was a purist. Mm -hmm. So there was no caffeine. There was no soda. There was no, well, I didn't eat meat at that time. There was, I took nothing. People would say, do, and I just suffered. I had terrible sciatica. We're going to talk about that. And I just, 
I wouldn't even take Tylenol. Yeah. I, t- I took nothing. By the third, I would take anything. If you told me, <laughs> if you told me dirt was going to help something that bothered me or that it just would give me an endorphin rush, then I would just eat dirt. Absolutely. Um, and so that's why the, those subsequent babies, uh, we relax a little bit, I yeah, have to say. Absolutely. And I think also for me, that was the difference between a planned and unplanned pregnancy because with my first, he was, uh, you know, the, I always say $10,000 baby, my REI baby, and I was everything to a mm-hmm. T. I'd just be vomiting and I'd be like, thank you. I'm so glad I'm vomiting. <laughs> Second one, I was like, no, ma'am, I'm taking the diclegis. <laughs> I'm taking whatever I need. I got my big coffee because, well, first of all, I didn't know I was pregnant for a while. So I was drinking major coffees because mm. I was absolutely exhausted. Um, and then I was just like, you know what? I have to survive. I have to take care of this toddler I already have too. And for me, you know, risk benefit. Can I ask you a question? Sure. What's a planned pregnancy? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's a good That's a good one. So anyways, <laughs> that was me. And once I found out, you know better, you do better. That's but right. <laughs> um, yeah, that was three times. Well, more than three times. But anyways... Oh, Um, man. Yeah. So another thing that can kick in, and again, really early, people are often surprised by this, is frequent urination. So in pregnancy, you have, again, an increased blood volume, which means you have increased fluid in your body, an increased load on your kidneys, and so more pee. You know, so even as early as the first trimester, people are like, I didn't think I'd have to pee so badly Mm -hmm. so quickly because, you know, my baby's still so small. And it doesn't really have to do with that. It's part of the, you know, physiology of being pregnant. Um, That being said, as your uterus grows, as the fetal position changes, a lot of times in the third trimester, as the baby comes lower into the pelvis, um, all of that can put pressure on the bladder and can make there be some urgency and frequency. Mm. Um, poor, and some liquency. And some liquency. <laughs> <laughs> poor pelvic floor tone, which um, is typically more common in people who've had uh, babies before. Right. But really, anyone can have poor f- pelvic floor tone can also make these things worse. It can exacerbate the urination issues. Uh, My third trimester, also, you're going very frequently, but not a lot. Right. And so... You just don't have as much space. If you've ever looked at uh, the pelvis of someone with a female at birth organs, everything is smushed in a small space. You've got the colon, you've got the uterus, Mm -hmm. you've got the bladder, and not a whole lot room for anything else. And then we're going to shove a baby in there, too. So it's it's a lot of competition for, for real estate. I remember um, with the first pregnancy, later I knew better, but the first one going into the rest, the bathroom in the middle of the night and then thinking, I'm going to have to get back up in 15 minutes. So I just put my elbow on the sink, the side of the sink, and I just drifted off to sleep right on the toilet. <laughs> and I said, now I'll already be here. Um, I've done that, but only when and, I drink too much. And then my ex, <laughs> he he was like, what are you doing? You you stayed out in bed out of bed a long time, and I was like, I'm just gonna nap here until I have to go to the next time, and then I'll come back to bed. Oh, how ridiculous is that? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Here's something that sounds counterintuitive: uh, stay hydrated. So actually, the more dehydrated you are, the more concentrated your urine is, the more irritating it can be, and yes. the more you'll feel like you need to go. So stay super hydrated. Also, though, don't push your fluids after 7 p.m. So we want you to wake up in the morning and just start that hydration machine. Mm-hmm. And then as you're rolling into the evening, Jeopardy's coming on, you start you start cutting it off a little bit. So you can still drink, but do less then because otherwise you're going to be awake all night urinating. True. 
don't hold it. We're all so bad with this, uh, especially if you're if you're out there and you're a midwife or you're a healthcare provider. We are classic for being like, oh, I'm just going to see one more patient. And we're holding it and we're holding it. But guess what? That is bad for your bladder. It's bad for your pelvic floor. It puts stress on everything. And it can make these feelings worse. Um, as the baby gets larger, it can sort of, I call it, uh, it sort of like makes two holders in your bladder. It can kind of like separate your bladder into two spaces. And so what happens then is that when you're peeing, you feel like you've emptied and then you go to stand up and wipe or, you know, move on with your day and you're like, oh my God, I have to go again. (laughs) And so what I often tell patients to do is to lean forward a little bit when you're urinating because that'll help uh, empty your bladder. Mm -hmm. And then what I would tell people to do is to stand up, lean forward again, and then sit down again, because a lot of times just those position changes will let that little bit of fluid that had been maybe above the baby's presenting part or, you know, being pressed, let that come down so that you can, you know, fully empty your bladder. Um, and finally, listen, there is no shame in your leaking game. So put on a sanitary pad or a little liner, period panties. We are just blessed with these amazing, basically reusable adult diapers. <laughs> so get some and just like have them. You never know when, you know, you're going to have a real good laugh and then like an accident and you'll be glad that you had a little bit of a backup there. For sure, because that'll take the laugh right off your face if you're peeing your pants. And if you're peeing your pants, especially after you're done having your baby, go see a pelvic floor PT. They are queens and kings of their own right, and they can totally make your make your pelvis happy again. For sure. And it's you can have it happen without surgery. You mm-hmm. can actually do the work. And, and I know because that happened to me. And I, I played soccer in my 30s, and I would run down the field and just be peeing all the way. And then I started wearing a pad. And then the pad would get full like a wet, dirty diaper. <laughs> And I said, you have to do something about this. And so I did. And um, and it worked and it's still working to this day. Um, what, you want to take a break, you think, now? Would that be a sure. good time? Yeah, let's do All it. All right. We're going to go for a little break and we'll be back to talk about um, more of the good stuff in quotes. I don't use air quotes, but yeah. Hey, I'm Alexander Bogle host of Black Tech New England. I'm on a mission to explore how Black culture and technology intersect within the New England area, which has some of the highest concentrations of wealth and education on the planet. Join me by subscribing to Black Tech New England on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Okay, and we're back. Um, We've been talking about my neck, my back my GERD and my Zantac. Mm -hmm. And so that brings us to heartburn, indigestion, and GERD, which is gastrointestinal reflux. When you just kind of, sometimes known as indigestion, Mm -hmm. acid reflux, when it feels like things are coming back up. I remember sometimes talking and a burp would just come out while I was talking. Oh, yeah. So embarrassing. Because you're also gassy, very gassy <laughs> from all ends when you're pregnant. And you and you just sort of do this sheepish, oops, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, starting with heartburn, lots of heartburn. You know, there's an old wives tale. Lots of heartburn means the baby has lots of hair on their heads. And that's a big nope. It can, probably because your whole family has a lot of hair on their heads. Right. And um, 
bald babies, their their parents also have heartburn mm-hmm. and sometimes severely. So that's a misconception. It's more common in the second and third trimester because, as Kate said a few minutes ago, you put everything is pushing up. So your all your as the baby grows, your organs are not tacked on inside, so they just kind of move around as they need to, mm-hmm. and so your your stomach gets pushed up kind of into your chest Mm -hmm. and your lungs get pushed up too. So you become short of air Mm -hmm. and you think, oh my goodness, something's happening. No, it's just the baby just taking over the whole space and um, causing you to have negative thoughts. (laughs) Um, So food can push back up into your esophagus and it causes a sour taste in your mouth and sometimes a burning in your throat and pain. Um, Peristalsis is slowed toward the end of pregnancy because... Um, you know, there's an, it requires some waves in there and everything is tight and the hormones also. One thing that we don't really talk about a whole lot is that when you we encourage folks, when you are in active labor, we say watch the eating because all non-essential systems kind of take a back seat to mm-hmm. what's going on with you birthing your baby. And one of those is digestion. So you'll eat something and it'll sit there in your stomach for a long, long time mm-hmm. and probably will come back to visit you during the process. Yep. Um, you should eat smaller meals more frequently during the day just and eat small. So have half your sandwich and then have another half of your sa- if you're having sandwiches or whatever you're eating, salads, whatever. Um, drink plenty of fluids. That's what we always say. And don't eat close to bedtime or right before you lie down because if things aren't moving down, they're just going to move back up if you recline. And sometimes you have to sleep propped up and... Um, you're thinking, this is just like old people. I have on ugly old people's bra, ugly old people panties, if if that's the case. Yep. And now I'm sitting up sleeping like, <laughs> a, like an old person. Snoring, peeing my pants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is happening here? Um, fortunately, it all kind of goes back to how it, how you want it to be and how it should be after, you know, the baby comes. Spicy foods, which I adore and foods that are high in acid um they tomatoes, will they will trigger sauce. your heartburn mm-hmm. that will provoke it um and so despite the hilarious episode title of my neck my back my gird and my zantac my gird and my zantac <laughs> <laughs> zantac is sadly off the shelves I'm so bummed about this. This is the only medication that worked for me for my GERD. So. Oh, I used to love it. And I used to take it quite a bit. Yep. And I was like, this is safe. And I told my patients, it's safe. <laughs> yep. It's all safe. You can just take it and you'll feel so much better. And they would come back and they were like, it's magical. Yep. I love it. And now it's off the shelf. It's that bad. <laughs> it caused cancer. And, it's, and they just took it right away from yeah. us. Not to be used judiciously. How about not to be used ever again? Yeah. yeah. And so you can go to Tom's. You can go to Pepsid. Um, but check with your provider yeah. about what they might suggest for you. Um, one thing I wanted to also bring up while we're on this digestion situation is something called tylism. And it's more com- it's spitting. It's a it's a bad spitting problem. And it's more common in women from the sub-Saharan diaspora. So um, it's women of color, of course, women in the from the Caribbean, black women. And, and we don't know why it affects certain people. But some folks have to carry around a cup, a rag. A, I mean, it's this is heavy duty. 
It's like your mouth is a faucet uh-huh. and you just keep, I feel so sorry for patients when they come in and they have the cup or the bottle and they're spitting and spitting and, spittin and they're like, excuse me, excuse me. I and I was like, I'm so sorry this is happening to you. Um, and it's worse with nausea. All that water in your mouth right. it is just, it, it, it's it's pretty awful. Anyways, um, Ugh, that is awful. Also, uh, that is a word that I thought was pitalism. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I was thinking like spit, like uh, pitalism. Oh. So because it has a P in front right. of it. Cute. Uh, yep. So this is another example of when you read a word and you think it's something and then you hear it and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. And it's another example of it doesn't matter how educated you are. Some things you just don't know. And you're and if you can laugh at yourself, that's what matters. We learn something new every day. Every single day, or you shouldn't even get out of bed. All right. So we already talked about the sort of upper GI stuff. Now we can talk a little bit about some of the lower GI stuff. So constipation, gas, bloating. Um, This is, again, due to typically the slowed peristalsis. And peristalsis is sort of how your intestines undulate and wave and move to move food and nutrients through your body. Um, You know, they go in the mouth hole, they come out the bottom hole. Um, and this is so that in- also known as the gro- <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't even say this. Was- also known as the grocery hole. <laughs> oh God! I know we're terrible. We we're, are. we're children. We are terrible. I'm um- so silly. <laughs> I, my apologies. I'm a smart person, actually. <laughs> uh, anyway. So this is so that you absorb more nutrients because, again, you got to hold on to more because you're supporting yourself and you're supporting your growing baby or babies. Um, you also have higher fluid needs because because the waste is sitting in your intestine longer. It's absorbing more of the fluid from it. And so everything's going to get really, really dried out in your GI tract. Um, many patients are also less active. And if they're feeling nauseous and not eating well, so not as many veggies, um, they're going to tend towards more constipation, gas, and bloating. So what can we do? Again, diet, increase your fiber, fruits, Mm -hmm. veggies. Um, Some people find that prune juice, you know, good old prune juice. Again, this is all about how we're becoming old people. (laughs) Pears and heavy syrup. That's another one that sometimes people do well with. Dried fruit. I actually had a Valentine's Day in my first pregnancy where I started crying at dinner and my um, husband said, what's wrong? And I said, I'm so constipated. I can't Whoa. even like eat this dinner. I'm so and so literally we went to CVS and bought a thing of prunes and we ate prunes together. Oh, if that's not love, I don't know what is. <laughs> wow. But so that can help. Um, additionally, there's something that I have used with my own children that is all food. We call it poop candy, which is basically equal parts coconut oil and chocolate. So, wow. um, you know, you don't want to do a lot of it. But again, a small amount, you know, a teaspoon of coconut oil is probably going to get things lubed. That's lubed a new and one for me. Yeah. Um, again, check with your healthcare provider. I'm not your healthcare provider, but. Right. Uh, water, exercise, abdominal massage. So again, moving food kind of through your GI tract, uh, you know, rubbing your belly. Um, and if you're going more than two days with absolutely no bowel movements, that's kind of a long time because you're eating a decent amount of food. And so talk with your provider and find out about safe options for you to kind of maintain. And then if you're having an issue to kind of get unstuck. Well, it, some... It depends on what your bowel habits are. Like if you're going way over your bowel habits, some people only go like twice a week or something, even without being pregnant. So, you know, if you have exceeded your schedule, then you need to check in. Yeah, good point. And get some help with that. 
And all that pushing and straining and pushing can lead to good old hemorrhoids. Mm -hmm. Hemorrhoids, also during pregnancy, you can have vulvar varicosities and leg varices, which are veins, you know, on your in your legs and in your vulva. And I'm going to talk about that. Um, I'm going to start with the least, um, I don't know, the least threatening, I, <laughs> I guess I would say, the leg veins. Um, it, they're very common. It's it, very often you, you can tell if you're going to have them because if you look around your family and other people have them, mm-hmm. it's hereditary. It can be. And it's, you know, when you, the more pregnant you become, that your circulation has to work around this obstacle, also another word for a baby, to get back around your body, back to your brain. One of the reasons why you feel fainty after you stand for a long time. Well, also that in combination with hormones causing the the uh, vessels, your veins to kind of um, relax and the valves to um, not always close like they're supposed to. And then that winds up, you you get this pooling of your circulation and it causes these varico- varicose veins. Um, that's on the legs. You can use, you know, support hose that can be helpful with that problem. Um, but elevating your legs at night. Elevating your legs, don't, not crossing your legs. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the, that kind of stuff can be helpful. But um, that isn't even, and later on, after you're done having children, if you have a really severe problem, it, you can see a vascular person and mm-hmm. they can help you with that issue. And it's not the major deal that it used to be like when um, my mom was, you know, young or whatever. Um, let's move on to hemorrhoids, which is also a kind of varicose vein. And it's a small, it's a varicose vein on the outside of your rectum or on the ins. It can also be internal on the inside of your rectum, and they tend to develop towards the end of pregnancy because of that drainage dependent drainage circulation issue that I talked about. The extra weight of the uterus on the veins, it's exacerbated by constipation and pushing, straining hard for a bowel movement. You can just pop those veins right out of your patootie. Mm-hmm. Um, Pushing in labor also will cause that problem. Yeah, if you already have them going into labor, they're going to come right back out when you're pushing. And and sometimes it can even wind up looking like a little bunch of grapes Mm -hmm. after you have a baby. Mm -hmm. And they usually will shrink back down, um, but they can cause itching and burning or bleeding. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, oh, no, I'm bleeding. And especially after you've been straining to have a BM. It could be very well that it's your varico- your your varicose veins, your hemorrhoids, um, sometimes also called piles, which I don't even know why that is. But when I was a kid, they always said he has piles. That's why he's not feeling good or what piles. What is <laughs> that, that? Is weird. It is weird. <laughs> um, and piles like P I L E S. It's weird. So you need to avoid constipation and straining and. Um, you can, if you have the hemorrhoids, you can, you need to avoid sitting for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. But if you have hemorrhoids, you can get a donut also. They, they're like inflatable or a little pillow that you can sit on to just give your little butthole a break. Um, after you have a BM, you, you should rinse, you know, with a shower spray or a sits bath or a bidet or whatever you like to do um, and wipe front to back. And you can put some witch hazel pads on because that is helpful and it's very soothing and um, and kind of wait, basically. 
Um, let your provider know if the pain is significant or if it's hard or if you even take a mirror and you look back there and you see this big old like um, almost like a like a dark grape. Mm -hmm. And that's what's known as thrombosis, and it needs intervention. Mm -hmm. It needs someone to kind of open that and let it out. And that's why you're in so much pain. Mm -hmm. Once it's gone, you will feel like a new person. Um, support garments are also helpful. Um, sometimes maternity belts lift the belly up. That's, you know, that just kind of, uh, kind to real, trying to realign yourself. Mm -hmm. The, the stockings that I talked about can be supportive. Um, none of this really works for vulvar varices. And that is when you have varicose veins in your vulva and it, it it's very it occurs mostly later in pregnancy and they can be not good, like really mm -hmm. profuse and cause a lot of pain. It's a terrible aching that you get. And it feels like your vagina is like heavy and like and it's just going to fall yes. off your body. It's a pressure and aching and heaviness down there. And when folks describe that, I say, do you have varicose veins down there? And they say, what? And I say, do you want to take a look? We can take a look. And then, you know, we kind of, address that. And I've seen someone, they were so, I had a patient once, her her vulvar varices and around her whole area were so bad that I just thought, I can't let her tear and I can't, I can't cut or anything. Not that we usually do that because um, I don't want that the, they'll bleed like stink. Like mm. we'll never be able to stop the bleeding. Yeah. And she did not and I saw her for her six-week checkup, and they were magically gone. Yeah. All of them were gone. And it, it was, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought those were so bad. They're, they're, she's going to have some souvenirs, as we call, as I call hemorrhoids that occur after birth that don't go away. Um, during birth that don't go away after birth. I call them souvenirs. But she had no souvenirs. It was amazing. The more kids you have, the more you tend to have this problem. And it's just another reason um, to, I don't know, want to teleport yourself to the other side of pregnancy. I will say um, just with hemorrhoids and like not trying to push, not trying to strain, um, lots of pelvic floor physical therapists will say this and I stand by it. Using a little stool for your feet when you go to the bathroom um, or like a squatty potty. Squatty potty. Yep, yes. They're very helpful um, to kind of align everything and help things go easy. And for those varicose veins, they make something called a V support. It almost looks like a female jock strap. Super mm. sexy. They put lace on it. Like, I don't know why, just to try to make you feel good. But it's basically like a support garment for your vulva, and it can help a lot. One more ugly thing that won't get you laid. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> you probably don't want anything going either anyway. That's true. Um, again, as things are growing and stretching, a lot of people have back pain in pregnancy. And again, this can be really normal because your chest and your belly is growing out away from your body. Your weight is increasing and all the muscles and ligaments and joints have to stretch out and loosen. And, and so there's not good support. You don't have a good core support. You can have what's called lordosis, which is basically an exaggeration of the shape of your spine where the your butt kind of sticks out a little bit. Um, and this is thought to sort of accommodate your new center of gravity because you're going to be more likely to kind of go forward. So you need something in the back <laughs> to balance you out. Um, and what that exaggeration, that sort of like sway back does is it can cause a lot of discomfort in your back. Um, 
Again, you can have something called diastasis recti, which is more common in people who've had uh, previous uh, pregnancies, Mm -hmm. where your um, muscles in your abdomen sort of open up to um, sort of split down the center to stretch for a baby, and they don't always go all the way back. And again, then they're not supporting your body as well. Um, You can get pinching of your sciatic nerve, which is a real bad pain, shoots down your butt and your leg. Um, I used to punch myself in the butt to try to relieve the pain. I remember thinking I have bone cancer. Mm. I bet I'm having a baby and I have bone cancer and they just don't know it yet. <laughs> it's, because... it's it's serious. It's significant. Um, you can have a strain on your shoulders and back again from that chest and everything pulling forward. So make sure you're monitoring your posture. You're, you're supporting yourself. You wear sensible shoes. I'm, mm. you know. Some I... hush puppies. <laughs> Some what? Orthotics. <laughs> Wear some ugly shoes to go with your oh, ugly bra gosh. panties V-strap. <laughs> you're snoring. You're spitting. Right. Wear some some ugly Velcro shoes or something. <laughs> um, but, you know, of course, people, you, you can wear whatever shoes you like, whatever shoes that m- make you feel good about yourself. But just understand that if you're trying to put on something like a pump, a, a, a stiletto, it's probably not a good look. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Move your body. So we've talked about it, but exercise, stretching, yoga, you know, maybe you need a physical therapist or a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. Again, talk to your provider. Um, lift with your legs and be really careful lifting your other children. So if you've got um, other nuggets at home that want you to constantly be up, 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 um, it, it's a lot to be carrying literally more than one, more than one kid, mm-hmm. one inside, one outside. Mm-hmm. Um, pregnancy support belts, again, can be helpful. It's kind of like a big, uh, stretchy, firm elastic, uh, like an ace bandage kind of, uh, I would guess, texture that you put underneath your belly and around your hips, and it can kind of provide a little bit of extra support and kind of help hold everything in. Again, heat, cold, or massage, resting and listening to your body, not overdoing it. Um, I did want to mention something about sciatica. If you have a large weight gain or maintain your weight that you gain during pregnancy, you can, it might not be gone. It might not go away or it can come back. And I'm speaking from personal experience. When I lost the weight, then it, when I finally, well, eventually, um, it went away. Mm -hmm. So it's just something to be mindful of. Um, we're, we're going to just quickly go over, um, round ligament pain, pubic symphysis pain. Round ligaments really com- common. You have ligaments that go up, that support the size of your uterus and as they as they grow as your uterus grows, the ligaments stretch and that causes pain. And it can have be a sharp stabbing pain and it can last for minutes or it can last for a couple of days. Almost like that sometimes that pain you get when you're running and all of a sudden you have something in your side that's really bothering you. Some people call it like lightning crotch or they'll be like is it normal to feel like you're being stabbed in your vagina and then it goes away? Yeah, can be. <laughs> yeah, it can. Um, it can happen with position change, rolling over in bed, your cat laughing, you're coughing, and then you go, oh, what is that pain? Sneezing. And it's it, it's it's okay. It's not going to be harmful to you, not to baby, but you just it's something to be tolerated. Stretching really helps. Um, heat, Tylenol, if, if your provider says that's okay. It, it's basically just comforting yourself until you get past 
the point of it. You keep stretching, keep stretching, keep having pain all the way till the end. It's, I tell my patients that it stretches all the way to a point where it doesn't even hurt anymore. You don't even, it doesn't bother you. Symphysis pubis dysfunction or SPD or pelvic girdle pain also happens when the ligaments that keep your pelvic bone aligned become really relaxed from that hormone relaxing and stretchy soon before birth or during birth or after birth. And they can make that pelvic joint, the symphysis pubis, unstable. And it's painful. It's really painful. Sometimes um, I've had patients who need physiotherapy. Mm -hmm. They use a walker. It can be really dramatic or mild and just sort of like lifting your leg is bothersome. Um, Change position slowly. Always stretch and exercise. Use that pregnancy support belt. Um, All of these we're talking about are kind of um, non-threatening type discomforts of pregnancy. But there are some things that occur during pregnancy, like bright red vaginal bleeding, significant pain, um, loss of fluid when it's not time to have your baby. There are many, many uh, topics that we're not covering, mm-hmm. but those are warning signs. Those are babies not moving. Those are not... Um, just sort of common discomforts. Yep. And it's important to just say what you're feeling, exactly what PR had said earlier, because you may share something and your providers can be like, yep, no problem. That's normal. Or you might say something that triggers them to check for something else, um, something more serious. So just make sure that you are verbalizing. Some other things that I'm not going to go into depth on, but I wanted to just bring up is moodiness because probably your partners or family feel like, why aren't they talking about that? Um, temporary insanity and dementia. Uh, all of that, you can't remember where you left your keys. Um, <laughs> but I bet you could tell every fact about that baby in your pregnancy that you needed to recall. Um, temporary insanity is just when you do crazy things, mm-hmm. not crazy, just really rare things. Um, some can be comical, some can be mean, some can, it can be, it, it runs again. Crying. Crying for nothing, yeah. for no reason. I cried because I, I was hungry once. And cry- <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> I bet you did. Um, something else that is very common is bad dreams, especially mm. if you're an anxious person or if it's not your first baby. Each baby you get a little more anxious because you're thinking to yourself, somebody has to get the assignment of having a baby with a problem or a pregnancy with a problem. Mm -hmm. And I got away with it how many times and now is it going to be my turn? And that can cause you to have bad dreams. I remember with the third baby, I dreamt that the baby had no face. Oh, Um, I dreamt that I was having a black girl baby and I did not. I had a white boy baby. (laughs) That wasn't a bad dream, but you just have weird, like vivid dreams. You do. You do have weird dreams that you can recollect. Um, All of the edema can cause carpal tunnel. That's a common one. And you can have leg cramps, leg swelling, your ankle swelling, Mm -hmm. and you just turn into someone that you don't even recognize sometime. That last time I was pregnant, I had a calendar and I was crossing off days. And I remember my ex saying to me, what are you doing a bid? Like, why, why are you crossing days off the calendar? And I was like, don't even talk to me. I just want this needs to be done. And the other piece that is a discomfort is that you people feel that you are public property, that mm-hmm. you can be touched, you can be talked to about what's going on, mm-hmm. and they don't know what's going on. Oh, you must be having twins. No, you're just having one. Mm-hmm. Or you are having twins, but they're not growing properly. And so, oh, isn't that cute? You you know, are you having a boy or a girl and all this other stuff that doesn't really concern them it, yeah. at, at all. Um, and so you, it's, it's, and it's not appropriate at, 
at all. Yeah. And um, so those are that is another discomfort of of being pregnant. And of course, we want to always address our intersection its situations. And so, um, Kate, why don't you start? Sure. Um, just to really quickly add on to that uh, last piece, again, rather than commenting on someone's body or their pregnancy or making assumptions, why don't we lead with things like, how are you today? How are you feeling? You know, because then we're going to allow them to share if they want to. And if they don't want to, they won't. And again, you better not touch someone without their permission. I can't say that enough. Don't do it. No, they're not pets. You that you you're not in a petting zoo. So in Walmart, don't try and uh, touch people. I don't really go there much, but wherever you are, yeah, don't don't try it. Um, yeah. So um, in the LGBTQIA plus community, um, there can be really sort of this common theme of uh, gender dysphoria during pregnancy um, and after pregnancy because your body is changing and it may be the things about you that have always made you uncomfortable. So if you're uncomfortable with the more, let's say, feminine attributes of yourself, um, you know, having a baby and going through all of this change can be really difficult. You know, having your chest grow, if you really have had a horrible relationship with your chest previously um, can be really distressing. And so I think, again, approaching uh, this and and checking in frequently with these patients is really, really important. Um, also, just like with sort of any um, po- population that is sort of dealing with different types of stigma every day, um, non-binary and trans dads, they can sometimes be more ignored for their complaints or taken less seriously um, because, you know, the, people are just thinking they're just complaining mm-hmm. and they just want attention and, you know, all these sort of, again, assumptions that can be really dangerous. Um, and finally, you may just be viewed as abnormal if you're, you know, the lesbian couple or mm-hmm. the trans mom or dad or whatever. And um, people are going to see that sometimes first mm-hmm. before seeing you as a patient who needs care. Mm-hmm. They're really just stuck on that first piece. And so I think, again, it's important that we are really making the playing field equal for all people who are carrying pregnancies and, you know, keeping in mind that beyond this, just as PR was just saying, not everyone's going to have a good situation going on in their pregnancy. They might not have a well baby. And so these are things that we need to just keep in mind before um, jumping to conclusions when we're um, dealing with people because we don't know what they're dealing with. Um, I wanted to just bring up a couple of issues with the Black and Latinx community um, and actually the indigenous as well. One is cloasma, and that's a um, it's a skin kind of issue where parts of your skin will darken your face, um, your arms, your the back of your legs. You can even see like a little line going down the back of your legs. And this is something that occurs with people of color um, and related to hormones, because sometimes you'll get these same responses to, uh, let's say, oral contraceptives, birth control pills, mm-hmm. and you'll have this cloasma issue. And it's it's not we don't consider it pretty, but um, it's something that can definitely happen. The linea negra also happens to um, white women, but, uh, you know, it's very pronounced. It's like a dark line. Someone took a big old thick magic marker and from your crotch all the way up to your belly button um, drew a line. And um, some are disturbed by that. And it's sort of no, no, no. That's that's one of your badges of motherhood. Mm-hmm. It f- fades quite a bit, almost to nothing, uh, at, 
post-pregnancy, but that's something that's very common with us. We also, because of the hormones, get a lot of moles sometimes on our face and skin tags and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so you'll see um, folks of color with like moles on their cheeks and things. And you can cosmetically have them removed if it's something that bothers you, or it can also be your badge of motherhood. Stretch marks. How did we miss stretch marks? I don't know, but... Um, my belly looks like a roadmap to somewhere. And I... Re- post-pregnancy, it was really, really black. And then that all peeled off. And then I was left with these lovely stretch marks that are like a highway to my babies. And I remember asking my mom about her stretch marks. And she said, oh, that's how you were born. My belly exploded like Jiffy Pop popcorn. And then you came (laughs) out. (laughs) She actually told me that. That is amazing. I thought I had I had always had stretch marks on my hips and breasts from a really young age. Mm-hmm. I remember being so embarrassed by them because no one knew what they were. People were like horrified. And I was like, oh, it's nothing. People like thought I was like chemically burned. I'm like, it's just me stretching. Um, but I thought I got away with them. I thought I had none on my belly. I was like feeling myself. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, look at this. Nothing on the belly. And then my baby came out. And the real tea was that I had horrible stretch marks under my belly that I just couldn't see. see? <laughs> And so now I have my little saggy, baggy, wrinkly pouch and whatever. Again, badge of badge of honor. Like that's right. It's your badge of motherhood. That's what I tell patients. It's you know. I have a favorite stretch mark. Oh, do you? I do. That's on my left hip, and it's so thick and wide. It's like a quarter of an inch wide, and the skin down the middle is like silky smooth. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell right. you, in a weird way, I'm like, if I touch it, I'm like, yeah, it's like. <laughs> It feels nice. It's it's my favorite stretch mark. I remember um, my ex asking me, "Is that gonna go away?" What? Like, <laughs> and I said to him, "No." And you like it, right? You're like, "Are you gonna go away?" <laughs> do, you, do you like it? You like it, right? And uh, he said, "Yeah, I like it," because he knew <laughs> that was the only answer to not get Aww. punched in the face. Smart guy. Um, pica is common. Also, uh, eating products and things that are not food substances like ice and starch and things and it usually signals some kind of uh, nutritional deficiency but it's also something that's common in the south is sort of like that's what my grandma my mom did my grandma they ate clay and I eat clay and it's just sort of mm. like that's what we do um so anyways, those are just some things that I wanted to mention that uh, apply to um not everyone not every person of color, but just some. And um, sometimes we're not take we once again, I say this, I always bring this up, we're not taken seriously, we're not heard. And we get kind of poo pooed about different symptoms. You want to be treated just like everybody else. And you want your your issues listened to. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what's important. Don't assume that it's a nothing. Um, because you read a book, because you listen to a podcast. You know, if you're wondering, then you check in. Yep. This is the work we do. We're 24-7. We chose to do this. And so you are free to utilize us in our time. And speaking of time, we are out of time. Yeah. I think a good takeaway is just that these things may be common, but you may not have all of them. You may not have any of them. And that doesn't necessarily mean something's wrong. Um, And that if you are feeling them, you are not alone. So we would like to thank Baobab Tree Studios, Kenny Blackwell, our friends, family, and all of you who make this podcast possible. Please be sure to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, or wherever you listen. Um, And like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 
at the Midwife Crisis Podcast or email us at midwifecrisispodcast at gmail.com. Until the next time, take a bath and grease up your body, like massage some oil into it, and it will help with so many things. And make sure you get fitted for the right size bra. Bye. Amen. Goodbye.